Hello and welcome to the podcast. We have a very interesting guest this week with Paul McBride. Paul is co-founder and MD of Proptics and is also an expert on localizing machine learning to different markets. This is an important area for AI and machine learning that I certainly wasn't aware of previously. You can see why software that is sold globally needs to be in the language of the country that is being sold into. But when you think about it, if the software is machine learning, then the AI machine needs to be trained to not only the language, but also the cultural and user experience appropriate to that country or culture. So Paul talks about his company, Peroptics, enables this service for AI ML software, enabling culturally appropriate AI and removing any biases. Paul also talks about setting up a global software company in rural and beautiful County Mayo. And Peroptics is a great example of the benefits of the, of the controversial national broadband program in Ireland. So if you're an AI ML business and you sell internationally, then I think you're going to be interested in this podcast. It's a tough competitive business to drive telecom sales. But now there is a new channel that is making all the difference for innovative companies. That's the Digital Sales Channel. At Netzer, we are the leading digital sales channel provider for telecoms companies. Our customers can testify to our ability to listen and implement solutions that work for them. If you are a mobile operator, an MVNO or an eSIM provider, We'd like to understand your business issues and work with you to drive your sales. Contact pat.flynn at netzer.com and we can talk. First of all, uh, hello everybody. Welcome to the podcast again this week. I have a great guest with Paul McBride, who is in Westport, one of the nicest towns in Ireland. If you've never been there, so first of all, Paul, welcome aboard. Pat, it's a it's a pleasure to be talking to you again. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. So we're we're talking about a very interesting project you're involved in. But first of all, let's roll back a little bit. We met a long time ago. We were doing. The international selling course and we, we we were the first cohort through that which anyone who wants to check it out check out enterprise ireland international selling is brilliant so you've you worked for Lionbridge at that stage in mayo so maybe just talk a little bit about what you were doing and how you got to where you are today that's right pat uh, I, I think that was back in 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 2006 um and i was working for uh, uh, Lionbridge back then and, and the big reason for, for going on the International Selling Program course was, you know, having completed a master's, I felt that it didn't really focus on the selling and, and marketing aspect. The other part of it, Pat, if truth be told, was that as a former engineer, I had a very unhealthy attitude towards selling oh, and sales people in general. I, I have to put my uh, hand up here too, Paul. Until I had to do it, <laughs> then I realized it wasn't that easy. 
and, and wasn't that it. I, I probably didn't have enough respect for it, but pushed myself into, into doing it. And it was, as, as you would appreciate, it was really one of those transformational years where you came out of it really appreciating the sales process and the discipline um, and the planning that has to go into, you know, successful selling. Um, and we were exposed to like, like amazing people like Dave Stein. You know, I don't know if you remember the book, How Winners Sell. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll always remember Johnny Hart saying, if you could write a book called How Losers Buy, uh, we, might all be, <laughs> we, might, we, we might do very well. But Dave Stein was a, you know, a huge influence in that course, just in terms of how to think about um, selling. So, you know, a, a, a massive, uh, uh, right. a massive influence. So, so yeah, and, and the challenge at the time, uh, Pat, was how to take a business global. You, you know, it's, it's one thing uh, working in a multinational. It's another thing taking a subsidiary um, uh, and extending its mandate to a global one. Um, and so that was the challenge and, and probably the main reason why uh, I'd gone into it at the time. But I came out of it with a very different perspective, clearly, on, on the value and the importance of really of expert selling. Mm-hmm. And what do Lionbridge do? They're a, a globalization translation company predominantly, um, and, and they help their customers bring products and services to market in over, over 130 countries. So very much in the localization translation space. Um, the business I had set up for them uh, was probably more on the software side and then laterally it was in, 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 the, in the data side. Um, you know, I really had a view that this was where a lot of the future was going to lie in terms of, of opportunity. Um, and, and so I'd evolved a subsidiary mandate from, you know, a one of 43 uh, to one of about four or five uh, global business units. And so, you know, the, the, the masters in the international selling program were a key part of that journey for me at the time. Right. And in particular, you got into working on working with large platform companies to verify that their machine learning was accurate or local. Well, localized mightn't be a good word. I'm not sure. But maybe explain a little bit about what what you got into there. That's right, uh, and and so I, I guess what the what what the what, what customers of Limebridge and what we were doing for them had in common was that you know they were global companies from from day one, so you really got to understand that if you're building a solution or building infrastructure, it has to be global. That's the, that is a non-negotiable. But where we developed uh, some very interesting expertise was on the local side, um, in terms of how to develop data and how to develop solutions that enable the internet platforms to deliver a locally relevant experience. And, and so it was a v- very much a data-driven operation rather than, say, being a, you know, a market research-driven, which is, would be quite, quite different. Uh, it was data-driven, and it was uh, on a persistent basis, so you were continually getting feedback from the market on the performance of the models um, to ensure that they had a very high level of, of local relevance and in order to do that, the data quality needed to be of a very high standard as well. So that's very simply, yeah. uh, the, you know, the type of business that we got into. So, so let's just maybe talk a little bit about machine learning or machine learning algorithms. So th- everybody's aware that every of the, all of the big platforms, Facebook, Google, apply machine learning to people and they can draw patterns out. So this is the area that you got involved in, Paul, and this led to... I think your current venture, which is Peroptics. That's right. So, you know, at, at Peroptics, we, we've built a platform uh, that helps companies enhance their machine learning data 
uh, with, with local market insights uh, from about 20 countries today. So the key part there is, is, is that it's on demand and that it makes the lives of, 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 of uh, product VPs and heads of data science a lot easier to access the local in-market data they need you know, to drive the performance of their online platforms and services. But back to your, to your question, I, I guess until recently, you know, computer software has been developed using an instructions-based approach. That's been software development for, for as, long as, as long as we've known it. The way I think about machine learning is it's, it's related to the development of applications that automatically improve with experience. Mm-hmm. And that's the key difference, Pat. Software, you have to give it instructions and you have to build in the instructions. With machine learning, you, you have to give it examples of what you want them to learn from. And those examples come in the form of data. And so the better the examples the easier and, and the better prepared those examples are, for example, describing exactly what it is you're, you're showing the machines, then the better they can learn from those experiences and in, and, and in our case, make better predictions, you know, in terms of what a consumer ought to buy next um, or, 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 or where to go next or, you know, anything that's of local relevance to them based on, on, on where they are. And so... You know, in the old software model where, where, where the actions that you were using it for exceeded the capacity of the software to respond, the companies generally updated their software. And that happened maybe every year, maybe every two years. At Microsoft, where I worked, you know, it probably happened on an operating system update every three years. Mm-hmm. Um, with machine learning, on the other hand, uh, because you're, it's example-based, you're able to continually present it with new examples and new data that allows it to continuously learn. So, so that's how they're evolving in a more natural way than, say, software, you know, every year, every two years, every three years. The models can be updated really, you know, in some cases every day, Pat, with, with refresh data and that allows them to perform um, as, as expected in market. Yeah. So, so really what you're saying is you work with the, machi- with the machine learning developers to ensure that their algorithms learn internationally. Like uh, there's obviously things like cultural biases or race biases or so on, and you can you can find out these and and get the machine learning to adjust for this, and I'm sure a wide scope of other things as well. Look, it's a great example, and 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 maybe you know if we talk about explainability or or biases as you've mentioned, you know bias is a very personal cultural thing, and so in order and, and it's not something you know. Machines can identify it in data, but they certainly cannot infer it. Um, so they have to be trained or they have to be exposed to people who are who are experts in their field, for example, domain experts, who can identify where bias exists in, in, in what they're experiencing. And so the feedback is really important so that they can the machines and the models can understand what does bias look like? You know, explain it to me in on a scale of one to ten and explain it to me in qualitative terms, describing what that bias is and why. And so there is a statistics element to this pattern that you need a, you know, a statistically significant amount of data to be able to say, in this country, bias is either existing or not in our models because we've got the data from the market to show it. And so the benefit uh, that Peroptics brings is we bring that access, that on-demand access to you know, either the data scientists or the product managers so that they can essentially release their models with, with the confidence to know that the bias has been addressed to the extent possible. Because you'll always have bias, even in the people who 
who are giving feedback, you know, they're biased themselves. So statistics does play an important part, and that translates into the numbers of people required, you know, in any given country to be representative of the population so that the models will perform, as I said, um, as expected in, in those models. So this is the service that Peroptics provides to AI machine learning companies, and you have a platform that enables this to work worldwide. Essentially, uh, Pat, um, it's, it, our, our target is are the internet platforms. So we've built the global infrastructure um, for the internet platforms um, because that's you know where the clearest and, and greatest need is and, and, and the greatest demand. Um, but also in our journey, there are many smaller companies in you know between two and ten markets who are using machine learning to manage the customer experience mm-hmm. and struggling because they cannot get access to the local market data in time. Yeah. For, the, for that experience to be relevant, and we're finding that we're of that are that are on demand platform there is is being very useful for for these companies as well. Mm-hmm. So so that's an unexpected um, outcome of our of, of our business, but that seems to be where there's quite significant growth and, and opportunity for us. So, but, yeah. but well, I, I suppose something like a chatbot or something would be a good example because not only is I mean it, it's language dependent, it's subtlety in languages. There's also behavior dependence. So someone might develop a chatbot, but if it does, if it'll work in Europe, maybe will it work in India? Will it work in China? I guess that's some sort of example that people could have in their mind of what you guys help with. And and that's the example we give, Pat. You know, like for us, it's it's when when we're outlining why good data matters. You know, one of the clear examples we give is 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 a chatbot not understanding the question. You know, so so we talk about whether the chatbot misheard you, or whether the chatbot misunderstood you. Mm-hmm. So so we really focus on the misunderstood piece, because that's really where intent comes into it. That's really where local culture, you know, language, also location, the device you're on, even the time of day, that all has to be factored into how we can understand your particular context in your at, at any given time. Um, right. So that's right. so they're the examples of, of where you know the chatbot may hear what it is you're saying, but may not understand the intent behind what it is you're you're saying. And so you know enhancing your machine learning data is possible with our platform in 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 a, in a, in a quite an on-demand way to be able to address the you know that gap in understanding for the cultures in which your chatbot is is, is being used in, for example. Yeah, no, it's fascinating stuff, Paul. And you can see exactly, particularly with the, in, back in the old days when you might ship a product into one market one month and then you wait two months and ship it into the next market and so on. Today, it's all available instantly globally. So you need to be ready in every market when you bring in a new feature or a new, a new service. And that's it. And, and that's why, you know, right now we're, we have the capability in 20 countries and, and they're probably the top 20 by GDP, because that, again, is where, you know, the majority of, of companies are trying to get to for their, you know, online platforms and services. We have built the capability to extend into markets pretty rapidly. You know, we're talking in the order of, of, of weeks rather than, than months. But what's crucial, uh, Pat, is that the, that the, that the communities of, 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 Subject matter experts that we build, they're qualified to understand the customer specific use case. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not general feedback. It's really targeted at you know with domain expertise 
in market who can give the type of feedback that that makes the the end result relevant for you know whichever consumer group or or or, or customer group is being targeted. But ultimately, I would say, Pat, we're driven by the local user experience. It's really about making that relevant. And, and for companies, it can often be about, you know, satisfying a user with, you know, what it is they're looking for. And for a user, making that experience almost personalized and relevant for them. I mean, that's the power of, of, of the data um, that can be used to, to enhance um, platforms mm. and services. No, that's, that's fantastic, Bob. Uh, and... Um... Like I'm, I'm sure that this is going to be a hot area, and I can see what companies can come and talk to you. How can they contact you? You're on LinkedIn and website, I guess. Yeah, I mean, LinkedIn, you know, w- website, probably the two most common uh, platforms that, that that we have right now. Um, and and you know, we have an enterprise sales function as well, um, and we're moving into. Um, I, I suppose marketplaces, because again, we're seeing a lot of demand, you know, from you know mid-tier and 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 SMEs for this mm-hmm. kind of offering. But they can't conceive of of doing it because they think, well, it needs to be in the building. It can't be outsourced. And until we show them that, you know, from a security perspective, um, from a data integrity perspective, from a data provenance perspective, all, that it can all be tracked throughout the life cycle. Of our of the solution. Once they see that that's possible, they start to think about. Well, in fact, I can access the resources I need, even though they're not in the building. I know that my my data is secure, and I know that the people you know working in market that Paroptics manages, you know, we we validate their face and device IDs, you know, to ensure that there's a lot of integrity in the offering, and that just gives them confidence that. They're going to get what they're expecting, and 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 it's not going to be compromised. You know that's a yeah. big part of, of 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 the of the process that a lot of our customers have to go through to accept that this can be done outside of their building. Right, right, okay. No, that's brilliant, Paul, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to be very successful. Yeah, your company is in Mayo, which for people who don't know Ireland is one of the most beautiful count- counties, and uh, my dad is from Mayo, so it can't be all bad. That's what I think. Even though they're not doing too well against Dublin and the GAA, but anyway, we won't get into that. But uh, so, how do you find a business in Mayo, particularly this type of business, which, if I could be, be a bit maybe uh, um, stereotypical, probably isn't a sort of business you'd normally meet in Mayo? Uh, it's first things first, it's probably the second best county after my native Kerry. So, I probably need to clarify that. <laughs> That's an ecumenical matter, Paul, but we won't get into that. But but, but look, I I first came to Mayo in 1998. And and just to give you an example, I was on a 2G mobile device for for much of my early time here because it was the only way to have a conversation, particularly with the US, uh, where you didn't drop the line. Now, from from then to now, uh, we have, you know, 400, 500 megabit fiber literally outside our house. And so that has been the big transformation over the past five years, um, that it was not conceivable to build a business like this, which, no. which really does no. require world-class infrastructure to be able to, to do what we're doing. So that is now in place and enabling a business like ours to think global from day one, as opposed to, you know, it could have taken maybe five or six, seven, ten years in, in, in the early part of, of, of the 2000s. So that's the first thing. The infrastructure is actually quite incredible. And the second, I suppose, is that our past experience means that the core team we have are based in uh, Siberia, um, uh, in the Oman, in the US, as well as here in, in, in Westport. 
um, and in Castlebar. So, you know, that's the core team of the business is truly global in its orientation. And, and that's the second thing that technology enables us to do. It, it really allows us to, because we have the experience, but it allows us to build this kind of business with incredible skills and expertise that aren't necessarily located here, but in places where we need them to be, we, we, we can access them. So, so you, have a, you, you when, when you started a business, you had a ready-to-go team, you had the management experience, you have the customer relationships and the infrastructure was, uh, there's been a big controversy in Ireland about the cost of broadband infrastructure in less um, urban areas. But to me, I, th- I think people totally underestimate the point of it. What you might argue should cost less. That's not really the point. The point is that the businesses that will be enabled, and here's a classic example, will, will by factors of tens and tens, out, outstrip the cost of it. This is our experience, Pat. Um, you know, when I first came to, to Mayo in, in, in 98, the, the, you, you, fiber purchase was possible. And without quoted going into the, the names, but we were quoted a million uh, euros at the time a year for what we're currently paying 100 euros a month today. Mm-hmm. So, so that gives you a, an idea of the quantum of, of, of saving. And this is for a faster line, more capacity, um, more resilience built in, you know, more backhauling, all that important stuff. And and look, you, you know, probably have to to give a you know a shout out to, to to the Microsofts, the Amazons, and the Googles of the world who have also enabled us to do this. You know, they've been absolutely tremendous in terms of their support. So it is possible, Pat, to to build a business once you have you know clearly the idea that there's a, a demand and a need, um, and to be able to do it in 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 a relatively rural area. Is 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 terrific, but for me, it shouldn't matter. Um, no. But it certainly has. It's, it's not something we could have done, for example, five years ago. Yeah. Okay. And that's brilliant, Paul. And uh, this beautiful county in Westport, in particular, I recommend anyone who's never been there to go visit it. So, Paul, on this podcast, the guest nominates the playout song, and I'm sure you've been thinking this over, and we've a great suggestion for us. So, <laughs> <laughs> what have you got? Well, I- well, I, I think uh, Morricone probably is has 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 to be has to be you know uh, the 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 composer, you know I could of course and, and want to suggest the good the bad and the ugly and I really think you know based on our experiences together have been good they have been bad there haven't been too many ugly ones but um, certainly if 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 that's the one we could go with then then why not Okay, well I, I can't argue with you even though it's. It's the name of the podcast, but it's still an absolutely stunning piece of music. So, anyway, listen, Paul, thanks. It's great talking to you and catching up with you again. Had an absolute pleasure. Take care.